when we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd just begun. Is that true? Lord Jesus, it's true for those of us who have taken hold of your truth. Eternal life with you in your presence is not just possible, it's a reality. Today, Mrs. Cervenka is celebrating Sunday in God's presence. And probably every one of us in this room knows someone, loves someone, who used to be here with us, but now is with you. We hold tightly, Lord Jesus Christ, to the words that you said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though they die. Now, Lord Jesus Christ, could I ask that you would speak to us this morning with your life-changing truth? Why don't you ask him to speak into your heart this morning, friends? Whatever it is that God knows you need, why don't you invite him to speak that into your heart and mind? We trust you, God, that you love us more than we could love ourselves, and you know us better than we know ourselves, and that's why we invite you to speak into us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. The picture that you see on the screen you've seen several times this summer, and that is a picture that we chose to reflect, to to, to be the icon, if you will, for the journey that we were going to be on this summer. It celebrates with that uh, gold medal there that you are special. This was a summer Olympics, and so you saw probably people bowing down as that gold medal was placed around them. And what that said was, at that moment, you are the best on this planet at what you just did, whatever it was, swimming or running. We had it there in front of us so that you could several times this summer hear God whisper to you, I love you because you are uniquely made in my image and you're the best. Embrace God's love for you. Recognize your uniqueness in the world, which is that globe there with a little puzzle piece. Seven billion of us, but no one else just like you. Embrace your true significance. And then we stepped in this fall into saying God feels exactly the same way about every church that he has begun around the world. Jesus called it an ecclesia. In your notes there, you'll see that I have again for you the paragraph that I gave you last week that explains what that is. It says an ecclesia is a God-chosen people called out from the masses of humanity through a personal redemption relationship with Jesus Christ for a God-given, Holy Spirit-led purpose. That's us. Look at that closely, would you? Do you see yourself in it? Now the puzzle piece that you see in the lower right-hand corner represents us, Calvary Community Church, unique in the whole world. No other church has our story. No other church has you that comprises the living body of Christ here. This weekend, what uh, the brass just played, what we just sung, and the truth of that was played out in a very real way here. 24 hours ago or so, Pastor Chuck Cervenka and Pastor Bob Pfeiffer from Community Church joined together, and in this room, several hundred people celebrated the truth when we've been there 10,000 years, 
as they celebrated the life of Pastor Chuck's mother, Mrs. Servenka, who had gone on to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? At the very same time, down in Florida, near Sarasota, the Dempsey family was down there because there had been a member in Laurie Dempsey's family who had passed into eternity. And Mel Oberg, our seniors pastor, who with his wife was in Orlando, drove down there representing this ecclesia at that funeral service. And at the very same time, I was in Miami. <laughs> and I was in a church with 1,000 black faces. Amen. I was at a Haitian funeral. My mentor, Pastor Ilamarie Monville, at 89 years of age, had stepped into, into glory on his 89th birthday. A thousand Haitians from New York and Montreal and Boston and Newark, New Jersey, and all through Florida and, of course, Haiti, because this was such an unusual man. And one white face representing Calvary Community Church, this ecclesia. Why? Because in the early 1950s, this church sent my parents to that place. And that young man was a Bible school student at the time. What? When I was growing up there, 20 years later, this church sent my wife and I back to that same place with our daughter, April. And now he was pastoring. And they assigned me to work alongside of him, among other things. And I stood in front of those thousand people and I said in their sweet language, no other living human being on the face of this planet has influenced my life more spiritually than that man. And I hope you have somebody like that in your life. The ecclesia was alive and well yesterday as God's people gathered all over this country to celebrate its truth and this morning. So who are we by God's design? Why is there a church here in this place and not a bowling alley or a theater or a business? Because God's called us, my dear friends, to a very specific mission that you see there in your notes and you see on the screen. And that mission is to draw and connect people to Jesus Christ. Amen? It's what Jesus said when he came here. I have come to seek and to save the lost. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have a privilege to be a part of that. How do we do that? Well, uh, our central missional focus that I gave you last week is to guide each person to develop and reproduce a passionate, genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how we do it. So if you're visiting with us this morning and you're wondering what is this church all about, there it is right there. Now when you take that and you put it into a picture form, right in the middle is us, our serious missional statement there to the top, our ministry-focused statement of how we get it done there underneath it. So what's important in all of this? Would you take your Bibles, please, and just hold it for a moment? Don't open it yet. Just hold it. And if you didn't happen to bring one with you, there's one under the chair in front of you. I urge you to take it and just hold it. And I ask myself and I ask you, so how important is it to you really now? How important is it really? I want to give you this morning in the next few minutes two what we're calling here at Calvary guiding principles over the last six or seven months the pastors and the elders have been seeking the face of God as we looked back over 91 years to, to, to discern who have we become and, and who are we today and where are we going. Two powerful, fundamental, what I'm calling guiding principles. The first, we are a God-based, uh, pardon me, God's Word-based church, ecclesia. God's Word is the foundation, the base of, of who we are. Why? 
Well, I've given you a couple of reasons why, right there in your notes. Because the Bible is the guiding truth for life, ministry, and decision-making in all aspects of Calvary Community Church. Nothing is engaged here that is inconsistent with the Word of God. Now look at that carefully. You ought to be able to see the truth of that when you look deeply into Calvary. This is why we have the Wednesday night that we call the Summit. Because God's Word's called us to know Jesus Christ and to understand God's Word. It's why we have worship on a Sunday morning. It's why we send missionaries around the world. Everything we do is rooted in the truth of God's Word. It's because God's Word is only and always truthful. Amen? Only and always truthful. You see, truth needs a standard. And God Himself is that standard. And He said through the prophet Isaiah, I declare what is right. I speak the truth. When Jesus was praying in the garden in John 17, he prayed, Father, sanctify them, us, by your truth. Your word is truth. Now last evening, because I was still in Florida, Elder Steve Hess, thank you, dear brother, opened up God's word, and I can't wait to get the CD and listen to it. He told me as we were chatting this week that he had heard that there was a town once very similar to Williams Bay, and a whistle went off at noontime, uh, just about every day. And a person would call a particular business in that town, evidently a business that had been there a long time, uh, late in the morning to say, uh, what time is it? And the shopkeeper would give the person the time. Well, after that phone call came several times, the shopkeeper said, so could I just ask you a question? Who are you and why do you call my store asking what time it is? And the person said, well, I'm the person that blows the whistle at noon, and I just want to make sure my time is right. And the shopkeeper said, well, that's really interesting, because we set our clock to when you blow the whistle. (laughs) Did I get that right, Steve? (laughs) So what is the standard of truth? Who decided that gravity ought to work the way that it works, huh? (laughs) Who, Who decides the tides should come and go when they do? Who decided how to make reproduction happen? God did, of course. God is the author and the standard of truth. Do you agree with that? Here at this church, that is vitally important. And that's why part of the responsibility of the elders is to be listening every time Pastor Chuck or I is preaching or any class that is being taught, is truth being proclaimed accurately? second thing that I see is because God's Word is inspired, it's inerrant, and it's alive. That's why it's fundamental, foundational, non-negotiable here at Calvary. There in your notes, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, it's important that you understand that all Scripture is God-breathed. God spoke it into the minds and the hearts of those who wrote it. It's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews tells us that the Word of God is living and active, penetrating deeply into the soul. Isn't that true? I suggest, my friends, that's why you're holding it in your hands. Because there's a miracle that happens when you open it and your eyes read the words. The eyes are the window to the soul. And God then penetrates His Word into your soul, right? The mind is like the command and the control center of your life. So when you immerse your mind in God's truth, it's pushing out all of that other stuff that can so easily distract you. The heart, oh, that's the core of your DNA. That's your emotions, but they can so easily be swayed. And that's why they need to be rooted deeply in God's Word. Am I right? 
And you see a third statement there. Because God's Word guides us, convicts us, and teaches us by the Holy Spirit. That's why it's foundational here. Now, you still holding your Bible? Would you open it up, please, right about into the middle? Psalm 119. Shouldn't be very hard for you to find. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, you probably know. And did you know that every single verse in that long psalm speaks about the power of the Word of God? Uh, you may remember that uh, in the Old Testament, in Israel's ancient days, there was a, a young king, they call him the boy king, Josiah. He came to be king when he was only eight years old. And he became king at a time when there was no worship of Jehovah God going on. Nobody had read the Bible for a long time. As he was opening the doors of the temple, which had been closed, and then cleaning it out, one of those who was cleaning it came and said, Oh, king, we have found a book. We don't know what it is. And he began to read it, and it was God's word that was underneath a whole pile of junk in the temple, and it, was, it pierced his heart. And he said, we need to go find someone who can inquire of the Lord for us. Is this true? It changed the course of the nation, as you know, and revival broke out under young King Josiah. Psalm 119. I'd like to invite you to join me in just a moment in this way. Take a look at whatever page you have open there to Psalm 119. It covers probably several pages in your Bible. Let your eyes move down through Psalm 119. And when the Holy Spirit of God grabs you on a particular verse, I want to ask you to stand up right where you are and read it. I, I'm going to get started. Look at verse, I think it's 36. Turn my heart toward your statutes <laughs> and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things Preserve my life according to your word. Now, you join me. Somebody read one. Stand up right where you are. Tim, please. Amen. Tell us what verse you're reading, please. Surely. 43. Do not snatch the word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. Amen. Sandy, please. Amen. Please, dear Barb. Amen. Let's keep it going. Dear Joyce. Amen. Amen. Please. Amen. Please, Don. 65. Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O Lord, according to thy word. Amen. Isn't this fun? Let's keep it going. Heather. 114. You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. Amen. I own. 72. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces. Amen. Dear Delphine. Amen. We need a man's voice. I'll try. <laughs> You're a Navy man. Thank you. Thank you. Annie. 
Mark. Amen. 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 George. Your hand is patient and telling me, give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice because I see you. Well, I have put my hope in your name. Amen. Okay, try. Verse 76. Well, I pray you for pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort. Amen. Thank for you, my brother. According to your word to your servant. Amen. That's a good word. Brother Wayne. Verse 65. Great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. Amen. John, I see you just stood. Go right ahead, brother. We'll do one or two more. David. Amen. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? God's Word is living and active and penetrates, right? Deeply into the soul, if you'll let it. To guide you, to convict you if necessary, to teach you. I'm hesitating whether or not I should say what I'm about to say, but I, I, I think I, I need to. I had to overnight in Florida, of course, because the viewing was on Friday. <laughs> When I went to the viewing Friday night, I was thinking viewing like we do it here at Toynton, you know. You come in and you stand in the line and you walk by and you, you greet the family and then you go on about your night. <laughs> I got there 30 minutes early. There was already 50 or 75 people in the room. It ended up being 700 people in the room and it was a service. Three choirs, uh, pastors speaking about this remarkable Haitian man who's p impacted their life powerfully. Well, what they didn't know was that was so powerful for me because earlier in the day, of course, I had to get a hotel to overnight, and I was fortunate to get one not far from the beach, and I'd gone out and taken my Bible and my books, and I was reading, and I'd taken my iPod, and I'm walking down the beach just worshiping very carefully every step and, and looking out at the beauty and just praising God. And I happened to turn and look at the beach, and there weren't very many people, but I'm looking right at two women and I didn't notice I must have come to a section of the beach that was topless. <laughs> now, I didn't know that that was possible on Fort Lauderdale Beach. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. I was memorizing that verse as I was walking. I just read it to you a moment ago. Turn my eye. Really, I'm telling you the truth. And I said it to myself right there. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life, O oh God, according to your word. Now that's the gospel truth. That happened about uh, 48 hours ago. That's why I wondered whether I should tell you that or not. <laughs> but that's taking God's word and applying it practically. Do you believe that? A second principle I want you to see, my friends, this morning. In this church, we believe in Christ-following leadership. And what that means is that Jesus Christ is the head of his church. Leaders here at Calvary follow Jesus consistently, 
seeking to discern His direction in all that we decide to do. Now, the reason that that's very important, there's this thing in America that says, follow the successful ones, the big ones. And we live in a part of the country where we're surrounded by some big churches. I praise God for Willow Creek Community Church and what God's doing down in Barrington. But we don't live in Barrington. We live in Williams Bay or Lake Geneva or Delavan or Elkhorn. And Calvary Community Church is not Willow Creek. Calvary is Calvary by God's design. Amen? And I praise God for what he's doing at Saddleback in California. And I praise God for the Brooklyn Tab in New York. I've been there. It's wonderful. But we're Calvary and celebrate that and enjoy that and hold tightly to that. And that's why elders here at Calvary and pastors here at Calvary, while yes, we read books and yes, we go to conferences, we don't do that to find out what God wants us to do as we follow somebody else. We go there and we mostly get on our face before God to find out what does Jesus want to do here in this church that is unique to us because there's no other church on the planet like Calvary Community Church. That's not a prideful statement. It's a factual statement. Now, why is that important, my friends? Because Jesus Christ reigns over his church that he has redeemed. He is the sovereign. He's the king over his church, right? But here's what's important. There are some sovereigns, like the Queen of England, for instance, who was born into that. There are some who are elected into that position. But in this case, Jesus Christ, he died for the right to be the sovereign as he purchased his people. Amen? That's why we follow his leadership. He purchased us. He has the right to tell us the direction that he wants us to go, my dear friends. Ephesians 1, there in your notes, God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be head over everything for the church. I also see a second reason, and that is because Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, leads the leaders who follow him. Now think about that a minute. That means... One of the qualifications here at Calvary Community Church to be an elder is you better be a really good follower of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Because if you're not a good follower of Jesus, you're likely going to lead this church away from Jesus into whatever you think is a really good idea. Not here. Your good ideas don't really matter. His good ideas is what matters here. And we're going to do our very best to follow Jesus as he leads us going forward. I have a few examples of that listed for you there. You remember when Moses found himself leading two million people. That's why he went up Mount Sinai at least eight times by my count. God, what am I supposed to do with these people? Where and how do you want me to lead them? It's why he pitched a tent of meeting right outside the camp so you could go any time to meet with God. It's why when he passed the mantle of leadership to Joshua, he said, Now, Joshua, here's the book of the law. I received it from God. Be careful. Don't turn away from it to the right or to the left. God will lead you through it. You remember when little Samuel was brought to the tabernacle by his mother? Eli, the priest, was not a good leader. He was leading the people away from God. And through a vision, God said to Samuel, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. Samuel, you're that young man. You get to know me well, and I'll lead you. 
There are several other examples there. Could I, could I invite you for just a moment to look at one other passage of Scripture this morning? It's remarkable. It's in Acts chapter 16. I wonder if you've ever noticed it before. Because here, believe it or not, God says to a man who wants to preach the gospel, no, don't preach it here. Is that possible? Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been, what does it say? Kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Does that mean what you think it means? Yes. God had said, no, don't preach it here. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Now Jesus is telling them, no, I'm the head of the church. Don't preach it here. So they passed Mysia, went down to Troas, and during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we, do you see the we there? That's the first time in the book of Acts it's we. Dr. Luke joined the group right there. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. God had closed two doors already so he could open another one. Why? From Troas we put out to sea and sailed for Samothrace the next day on to Neapolis, and from there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, a very influential place. And we stayed there several days. And if you keep reading there, you find out the reason God had said no twice before was he was preparing the hearts in the city of Philippi. He wanted to direct Paul to go there because you read a little further, he goes out to find a place of prayer and he meets a businesswoman named Lydia. And she trusts Jesus Christ and her household, and they are baptized, and a church starts in her home in Lydia, the first convert in Asia. You see, it's important that we're able to discern when God says no. A year ago or so at this time, I brought to you as a church that we were praying about six initiatives. We were looking for a worship pastor. We looked at 20 candidates. No, 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 yes. We were praying about a missions pastor. Uh, we had one that we'd been talking with for quite some time that we thought was right, but God said, no, yes. And Brother Dave and Carol Fogelbaugh are with us today. And look what God's done in the last year. Seventy-five of you have gone out around the world in short-term missions trips. God knew he was going to move like that, and he knew that David and Carol needed to be a part of that. We also told you that we were praying about Burlington. Was God calling us to step into Burlington with a multi-site? We gathered together, those of you who are from Calvary and live in that area, and we prayed. We sought God's face. I met with the pastors down there several times. I still do. It seemed like we were moving in that direction, but there were some things that weren't quite happening. We couldn't find a place to meet for sure. We didn't see a core group of key leaders rise up. I was hearing that the other churches that are already there had some great plans and ideas that were ready to launch, and then we heard that a large church was getting ready to open up a new church there. Fox River Christian Church will, in fact, birth their multi-site two weeks from today. And so we sensed, when we heard that, we knew why God was holding us back. Not yet. Maybe someday future, but right now, God seemed to be saying, I'm moving in Fox River Christian Church to reach there. You focus on Lake Geneva, Delavan, Wisconsin, 
uh, pardon me, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, Williams Bay, etc. And you focus on continuing to reach to the world. Do you understand how important it is, my dear friends, that you are confident that your leaders are prayerful men seeking to discern where is God leading us, not where does the loudest voice in the church want us to go? Do you understand that? It's a vitally important guiding principle for us here at Calvary. And so, what does it look like when we put all that together on the picture? Our mission, our central focus, two of our guiding principles, and I'll give you more in the next weeks ahead. Jesus had said, I will build my church, my way, if you'll follow me, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So, are we a biblical church? Yes, absolutely. Who is Jesus leading us to be? God's people in this unique place. What is Jesus leading us to do? We continue to discover that day after day after day. God's Word. Vital, real, living, and active. This is the one that I carried into the pulpit yesterday. And this is what I read, Philippians chapter 1. You remember where Paul says, I'm torn between the two. I'd rather be with Christ, which is better by far. But here's how I read it. Pour moi-même, vive c'est Jésus-Christ. Et mourir, c'est bénéfice pour moi. Mais si vivre n'a pas ça, vle dit travail, cap by fruit, alors, moi pas con ça pour moi de choisir. Et moi centré n'a mis en tous deux. Ça, moi envie, c'est aller. Pour moi, avec Jésus-Christ. Et c'est ça qui puis bon passer tout. Get used to it. We're going to talk it in heaven, don't you think? <laughs> and probably some Norwegian and some Swedish and a little bit. As I read that, my dear friends, a white guy standing in front of a thousand dear Haitian people all through the place. Amen. 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 God's word. Powerful in the lives of people. Hold tightly to it. Because it's the core of who we are. And he guides us forward through it. Amen? Lord Jesus Christ, we are so grateful that you've called us to be Calvary Community Church here in Williams Bay, Wisconsin, 91 years ago. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that you're making it clear that our purpose is to draw and connect people to Jesus Christ that you're calling us to invite every person to, to grow a, a genuine, reproducing, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. That you're calling us to be sure that we embrace the Word of God as foundational in our church, in everything that we do. You're calling us to make sure that we follow you, Lord Jesus Christ, in every plan that we make. Now, Lord Jesus, look deeply into our hearts in this moment. Do you see in this room people who really do prioritize and love the truth of your word? Do you see that we are people who invite you, Lord Jesus, to penetrate our minds and hearts with the truth of your word? Do you see that we choose to immerse our minds and our hearts in it, therefore turning our eyes away from worthless things? Lord Jesus Christ, do you see that we are a people growing in, in, in our determination to know you and follow your lead in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, 
and in your church. Why don't you ask the Lord Jesus Christ to show you? Does something need to change with regard to your appetite for God's Word? Why don't you ask Him to show you? So what gets in the way of you wanting to spend time immersing your heart and your mind in God's Word? What distracts you from that? Ask Him to show you, my dear friends, what gets in the way of you wanting to follow Him as the Lord of your life in all the decisions that you have before you in life? Lord Jesus Christ, we worship you now. Oh, we long to see that you are the one who casts the vision, your vision, for us as a church and for each one of us individually. We worship you now.